Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Uh, Tom, Tom helped quite a bit. And, and EG and uh, Robert as well uh, helped me vet things uh, early on. But it, it's been literally years worth of work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it has. So, a, we started talking about this a couple of years ago. So You know, I like this intro. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another edition <laughs> Should we just start calling this Cavs the Podcast? I think I'm going to do that. Cavs the Blog Podcast? I don't no, know. No, I, I always used to call it Cavs the Podcast, so I don't know about you guys. You, you were right. So we're, now that we have Cavs the Tweets and we have um, we have Facebook. Cavs the Facebook? It's not called yeah. Cavs the Facebook. It's slash Cavs the Blog. But thanks for listening to another edition of the uh, new look, same great taste, Cavs the Podcast. And I am joined by Evil Genius, Mallory Factor, and Nate Smith. And uh, first of all, Nate, I also want to extend my gratitude for all the hard work you did to update the site. Um, there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes. I mean, first thing, we actually switched hosting. And that was not a trivial task. And Nate is like a sysadmin by day, so he obviously did all of that work. Um, and then recently he's and, been doing... And hopefully, for everybody listening, we don't get redirected to the Chinese gardening site anymore. I don't... <laughs> GoGardenClub.com. Um, yeah, GoGardenClub.com. No. I miss that uh, site. You guys I haven't had that happen up. anymore. No. That hasn't been happening. Right? No, I have not had that happen. Okay. And, so, uh, yeah, and we... Lost all my gardening stuff that I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That, so we're, that makes I think we're happy. in a better place. Um, I was kind of reading everyone's feedback today on the live thread, and it seemed like some people were a little bit ambivalent, and I actually took that to be a compliment because a lot of the comments were like, I never came here for the style or the look. I came here for the content. So, yeah, I mean, we looked like a GeoCities page up until yesterday, so I appreciate <laughs> that we've built such a big following even in the modern well, you know, Internet. And now we do have a Twitter. It's at CavsTheTweets, and we... Yeah, we are no longer Cavs the Live Journal. Yeah. <laughs> but see, so, you know, I mean, I do digital advertising by day, and one of my websites just 
um, went over to a new site designed from base, like the the most basic old school like blog post, basically the way that we were laid out. And I almost feel like there's a charm to that. That like five years. Oh, there from totally now, is. You're yeah. gonna see everyone going back to that style because it's gonna. There's like a simplicity to it. That's not to say, obviously, Nate, that you didn't make a great decision by well, doing it. We I'm just insulting all the, the work end. that you did. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, no. What what part of the reason that we switched to the new setup is that this worked really well when it was just John Krolik putting posts out and maybe Tom putting out links once a day. But when we have more than one person posting per day, it really I feel like it was doing them uh, a disservice to not be at the top of the header. Right. And to like they weren't be there was only one article we could feature at a time. Right. And so we still wanted to keep it simple. We've just got a two column setup. There are some there's a feature slider at the top. Uh but aside from that, I mean, we don't want it to be too confusing. You can see our Twitter feed. Uh you can see the lineup. Um and that's about it. It's still a in this day and age a pretty simple website. Um, it, there's not a ton of, uh, you know, spam on the page and we don't, we still have hardly any advertising. So we really just wanted to make why it. We so have, we could, Why do we have any advertising since we don't make any money? Um, that is actually part of being part of the true hoop network is yeah, we are required to have that, right. that advertising. We'll, we'll see how much longer we're part of that, but, um. Well, so you know, that, since that is an offline discussion. Tom. Since, we're, yeah. since, we're, since we're doing this first, um, let's just take a take a moment. I want to go through, and we can each just share like how we came to Cavs the blog and how we came to be involved with Cavs the blog. And we'll keep it quick. So, I first noticed Cavs the blog probably around 2009, about a year after Krolik started, and my I just I liked how he wrote. I mean, I thought he had very uh, sensical, uh, somewhat analytical um, takes on the Cavs. And it was just like, hey, this wow, it's someone writing on the Internet about the Cavs that isn't completely wrong. I had never found another a person like that. And so I gravitated towards the site, and I started commenting. And then uh, when he put out a solicitation for a Lynx guy, I emailed him and said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. You know, I've, I've written about the NBA for a while. And, um, and that was in t- early 2010. And so it was just him and I for the rest of that season. And then after the decision, um, you know, my life completely changed. I got married. I graduated from grad school. I started a new job um, all within a span of like a week. So I just had to step away. And I stayed away for about a year. And then when I came back, Colin was pretty much running the show. And I've been back ever since. So, Nate, how about you? What was your uh, entry point and and your evolution on Cavs blog. Sorry, I take myself off mute there. While you were gone away, um, I started working uh, with uh, Kevin Hetrick had come aboard, and uh, they were looking for more people to do content, and I kind of wrote these volume... Uh, these novel like uh, comments and Kevin long in the, out long in the tooth. These comments that were long in the tooth, and Kevin reached out to me uh, to see if I wanted to contribute. And the funny thing was, is he reached out to me like about two months before I responded because uh, the email address that I had uh, had to 
uh, comment on this blog was it was the only thing I used it for. So I checked it about every two months. And so I was like, yes, absolutely, uh, I will contribute. And I started contributing and writing articles that were long in the tooth uh, very quickly. I, I wrote a manifesto of how I became a Cavs fan. And then one of the very first articles I wrote was uh, – Good Spock and Evil Spock as a uh, comparison to Kyrie Irving's defense. Oh, my God. And that's offense. perfect. I can't wait to talk about that later tonight. Okay, keep going. <laughs> and then, uh, and so about, uh, so Colin left and then Kevin took over. And uh, I know you and I and Tom uh, had some other endeavors with Kevin. Uh, the uh, May She Rest in Peace Got Bucket site. Um, and Kevin moved on to bigger and better things. And, uh, Still friends no, with Kevin. He, and, didn't, he didn't move on to bigger and better things. He decided to become a runner out of nowhere. And now how he, is like, that not bigger and well, better? I mean, you make it sound like okay, he went sorry, to work for ESPN or something. He, he, he moved on to faster and thinner things. And more healthy, okay. more healthy activities. Yes, I will give you that. More healthy okay. activities. Um, and so we're still friends, but uh, so it kind of fell to me to run things for a while and you know then kind of me and you we we teamed up and did most of the work and now we have a uh kind of a four person we call it the quad umbrate uh a four person editorial slash ownership uh group uh consisting of uh, me and tom and evil genius and uh robert atenweiler uh as our four owners slash editors so uh we're we're kind of the 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 steering committee for the site and and hopefully uh, the site can we, – we've got a, a long-term leadership plan in place, and, uh, and, and that's kind of where we are now. So what about you, Mallory? How would you come aboard? Uh, yeah, actually, so right around when Tom phased out, I guess, right after the decision, I kind of phased in. I kind of emailed um, John really on a whim. There were a couple other, like, pseudo-writers, but no one else was really writing – there was very little consistency other than me and Colin. And, you know, I mean, I, I like writing, but I like talking more. Um, and that was when I sort of figured out that we should be podcasting. And honestly, um, I, I mean, I, I want to take credit, not for the podcast itself, but for the idea of doing this, because we did it before Waiting for Next Year did. We actually did it before pretty much any other True Hoop blog did. And that was because I decided to figure out a way to download a bunch of like bootleg programs and put it together. And I mean, in those early days, you know, I, I went to high school with a, a writer named um, Fred Katz, who now I guess, I don't even know where Fred is writing anymore, but he's a much bigger writer, definitely has moved on to bigger and better things. But we brought him on once in a while. We talked to Scott Rabb from once in a, for uh, every once in a while and, and really just tried to have some consistency with the podcast. Um, and I wrote all those sort of like goofier articles, like uh, Bruise and Bruises, and I did my annual, which now I broke the streak of, sadly, but um, uh, annual All-Star Saturday, you know, sort of like live blog, and did that a couple of times with a couple different things. But really, right after, during, um, I, I think I remember the first article I wrote was right after that Baron Davis trade. And I remember writing something about hipster Baron Davis, although that it, it had to have been earlier than that, frankly. Um, but I remember writing something about like hipster Baron Davis, and that 
it's funny in, in hindsight because that obviously is what sort of started everything with that trade landing Kyrie Irving. But, um, yeah, you know, my, my sort of like primary involvement, um, was with this podcast and I'm glad to see it still continuing on, even though I'm not around as often as I once was. Yeah. How about you, EG? Um, what's funny, I had to go back and, and look to remember cause it's been a little bit now, but, um, I, I was, a, I was a lurker for a long time on the site, just, you know, happy to, to check in occasionally and, you know, and read, read, uh, something that John wrote or, or one of you guys wrote. And, uh, I think it was the, it was Colin's season preview back in, uh, October of 2012, the talking into my pad tie about love. And, <laughs> and it was just, he talked about like the, the, the machinery behind, you know, what we were reading and like how it all kind of worked. And I thought, God, this is, this is kind of cool, you know, like seeing how the sausage is made, you know, but in a cool way. And so I guess from, from then on, I started to, I started to comment more and more frequently until, um, you know, some things kind of freed up with my well, job because I would be out of town. And, and one thing that happened is uh, EG was noticing that we were having a problem covering Friday nights. That's right. Uh, we, we, because we all have lives and uh, EG offered to, because um, well, I have no life. Friday night games for us, especially <laughs> on West Coast trips. Yeah, uh, so that's because, that's where it started. You guys got you yeah. guys were generous enough to let me. Well, uh, and we were floored with your content, and uh, I I don't even think it's been a year and a half, and uh, we've been been very pleased to now now you're an integral part of Cavs the Blog. So, <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. It's really been. Um, you know, it's it, it really kind of helped me rediscover a love of writing that I that I'd kind of gotten away from for a long time, just because you know I started as a writer and then I kind of got into the whole feature film business where I was helping other people with their craft and you know to get back into it again and you know bust out my strunk and white and uh, you know get all get all my uh, you know all what was my, that phrase you just used. Strunk and white. You're, you know, you remember having a strunk and white with your. That's um, it's old school. Like I have um, never heard that phrase before. It was an old school book for for um, you know, for copywriting and and uh, huh. you know, proof proofreading and stuff. So oh, I didn't yeah, know it's, that. It's the one I learned on back in the you know the the eighties. Uh, like hold, hold my. <laughs> it's going way over my head. I just want you to know that. Yeah, the book's, <laughs> the, the book's called The Elements of Style. Yeah, that's it. Elements oh, of okay. I've seen that book. Originally yeah. published in 1920. Yeah. And if anyone is still listening at this point. <laughs> yeah, our goal, we spent a half hour before this podcast talking about how we're going to keep this podcast short. And so, then we completely turned it around. No, that's on okay. Tech. This was one of our yeah. topics, so we're on topic. We just we went from <laughs> last first, just kind of like our new commenting style. Um, so... <laughs> So the last yeah. shall be first, and the first shall be last. E.G., yeah. I just, I just got to tell you, I mean, our entire existence, we've been reflexively apprehensive about taking people that are part of the community and making them writers, and it was just like... Except for the four other times it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for basically all of us. Yeah. No, but that's not, what, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that eventually became writers. I'm saying do what we did with you. Where it was like, hey, you're a commenter, you're not a writer yet, 
but could you do can you please do a recap for us like yeah. we never we never do that and yeah. we 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 you know we said well, hey, it was yolo let's let, let this guy try it and we were just blown. <laughs> yeah because we, we, were we just literally had no away. one available yeah, on friday night and we got tired yeah well what friday nights were tough yeah i was getting up saturday morning and doing those recaps and they weren't publishing till like noon yeah. mm. And and it was well, just like we got tired of the whole not a recap that we it just they were they yeah. were becoming more too frequent for our comfort level. So um, well, I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm glad that it's all worked out as well as it has, guys. Oh, it's been phenomenal. So um, yeah, you know what this this site has come a long way. I know we've only changed the style really once now in in eight years, so it doesn't seem like there's been a massive oh, nine evolution. years. There was a little tiny, tiny mini mini blip on the radar uh, about a year ago when I changed the way we could comment so that you could reply to people because I wanted to get more conversation. And then we had done live threads before, and they didn't really work out, and I, I wanted to give it a shot again with the new commenting format where you could actually reply to people. But honestly, what's really made the live thread so huge is, I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's evil genius. Like with something happens and within 30 seconds, he has like a meme that he like photoshopped that, uh, that <laughs> Hey, you know, live. I did some of that too. It wasn't all EG. That's true. That's true. Nate did definitely did that. Yeah. But I'm going to get most of the credit to EG. Nate's okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I have, I have big. It's just because I don't have anything better to do with my time than, no, than literally watch watch, ca- no. watch Cavs games and sit on live threads and respond to people. But speaking and of try you, to be try to be funny. You you did actually attend the game today, so why don't you tell I us how, how that was? Oh, that look was at that segue! Funny. Look at that segue! Wow. Wow. I, I learned from the best, Mallory. Yeah, so you, Paul Blart should be writing on you. <laughs> so I I don't go to. <laughs> I don't go to too That's many segue, games. I, mean. I don't go to too many games in in a over the course of the year because I used to go to Laker games, but the Laker games have become really hard to watch in person, and you're only really going if you're kind of looking at the other team that they're playing because you can only you know really take so much of you know grumpy patrolling the sidelines and not playing his young stars and watching Kobe, you know, in, in try not to tear something while he, you know, shoots shoots about 40 shots a game. Um, but so I, I haven't really been going to games much this year, but, you know, I circled this one this week on the calendar, and I, I was desperately trying to get tickets to the, the last LeBron-Kobe face-off, and they just sort of got into the, you know, to the stratosphere, given that this is L.A., and, it's still Kobe's farewell game and that it was against LeBron. So I, rather than fork out, you know, five or 600 bucks to, you know, to sit in the nosebleeds for that, I figured, oh, I'll just wait and go to the, I'll go to the Clips game. So, and it'll probably be more competitive anyways. And it, it was at least in the first half, um, it, you know, but we sat, I took my two kids and we had a blast and we wore all our Cavs gear and I wore my Cavs of Log shirt. And I used to be, a little bit more reserved or guarded about that, especially in LA, because sometimes you know if you if you've heard about Dodger games, like LA fans don't always you aren't, don't always play nice with the people that wear uh, opposing gear in their house. But 
Um, but for Clippers games, there's a there's a different kind of vibe to it. I've been going to Clippers games for years and wearing my Cavs stuff, and nobody really gives me a hard time because they either have an appreciation for LeBron or they just really don't care enough about the Clippers to care. So, <laughs> um, so we we rocked our Cavs gear and we sat in a section with a lot of Cavs fans. And to be honest, the the, the cheers for the Cavs taking the floor were almost as loud as the Clippers taking the floor tonight, which was kind of a kind of weird, but kind of in, in a really cool way. And um, yeah, we, we had, we had good seats up, up near the top, but it was, know, it was a lot of fun to watch this game. And the first, I'd say the first like 10 minutes was a little dicey because the Cavs just didn't seem to be making open shots and they were even missing the kind of the bunnies at the rim. I know LeBron missed a couple and Maz missed, one and and he had his usual sort of fumbleitis at the beginning of the game and then something happened at the end of the first quarter uh and it was you know it was uh, i think a little bit of, of delhi it was a little bit of um you know of uh, i think channing fry coming in and and i know lebron and a whole got, lot of lebron lebron got way aggressive and the Cavs actually started playing some defense and actually took the lead at the end of the first quarter. And then the second quarter, they just, I mean, it was, they were just running all the shots that weren't falling in the first started falling in the second. And they actually really kept up the defensive pressure. And uh, Kyrie started, you know, showing that he's, he's learning how to, how to, you know, play the pick and roll better and actually, you know, play a little bit of defense even. And, um, yeah, I mean, really, by the I'd say by the by the middle of the third quarter, there were already like Clips fans heading for the exits. It was just that you know, it was just that demoralizing. Like it was, you know, I think they were up by twenty five by the end of the third quarter, and you know, it was it was just you know, lots and lots of garbage time. But uh, you know, the Clippers had their their usual. I mean, they complain if we think the Cavs complain about calls. The Clippers complain about twice as much as the Cavs do. On top of that, and yeah, are the Clippers the worst in the league. They um, might be. They might be. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're bad. Technicals. I'll look it up. Yeah. But... No, in terms of just complaining. Oh, maybe. I mean, for one thing, you they were the complainingest team in the league, and then they added Paul Pierce. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. Who didn't even play tonight, but he's still, yeah. but still, like, I mean, yeah, Doc's still one of the worst. And, Speaking of, so there, you know how their bench is a flaming pile of dog poo? Yeah, so Tom and I talked about this a little bit in the live thread about how when they jumped on him early, yeah. uh, DeAndre Jordan was kind of beasting at the beginning of the game. I mean, they couldn't get anything around the rack. He had and a lot of that, rebounds in that first quarter, too. Like and and number I mean, he yeah, he got his really hands good. on a lot. He got his hands on a lot. Yeah, he swatted that Kyrie layup which we're not used to seeing that happen. But so, yeah. Nate, here, here's where I'm going with this. Guess who has been completely dominating the past week in the NBA? Who? He's not on Who's the Clippers. That? He was on the Clippers. Who is that? Lance Born Ready Stevenson. <laughs> the Ear Whisperer. The Ear Whisperer. The Ear Whisperer. He had like 30-some points the other night against uh, the Pelicans. Oh. <laughs> and he he rocked the Cavs in crunch had time. 17 he, against in Cavs. crunch time, he went right at LeBron. You remember that? I know you remember it, Nate, because you were flipping out in the live thread when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, wow, that dude is like resurrecting his career mid season at a really strange time. 
But uh, is it just Doc? Yeah. Not, doesn't know how to use these guys sometimes, uh, or well, they don't have very many talented people on the bench. But anyway, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. So no, but that's two guys. But that's two guys now. That's that's Lance Stevenson, and then you've got Josh Smith who went back to well, Houston. Well, let's not even talk about Reggie Bullock's playing well for the Pistons. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I just feel like Doc. Is not a has good coach. the way he wants to use guys, and he doesn't want to go outside of it. Like, so, I even think, like, Paul Pierce isn't nearly as effective playing for the Clippers as he was playing for the Wiz last well, year. Well, okay, he was really yeah. good for the Wiz in the playoffs. He, he really didn't do anything in the regular season. So if you didn't watch anything outside the playoffs, you might not know that. But he was, right. he did, he, he gave them nothing. And then in the playoffs, he morphed into, like, 2007 Paul Pierce. But, uh, but, but yeah, he, he, yeah, he did. That was great. I call game, but uh, so <laughs> you didn't get to see this EG because you were at the game, but um, they did one of those things after the commercial break where they were talking to Ty Lu about working under Doc Rivers, and he's just Ooh. singing Doc praises about how Doc's one of the best coaches of all time, and I'm like, okay, I get it, you know, you worked for him, you're going to say that, but God, Doc Rivers is not one of the best coaches of all time. He won no. one ring with just an insane <laughs> amount of talent that fit perfectly. And Tom Thibodeau uh, running defense his defense. To figure out how to yeah. stop LeBron. And I just feel like he has punched below his weight ever since that year. Maybe I'm wrong. But and I, and I a horrific like GM. Yeah, I, I mean, what I would say is he's one of the best coaches of his time. Like, name... Five coaches over the last ten years that have been as consistently winning as Doc Rivers. Uh, Rick Carlisle, uh, Mike Brown, <laughs> Greg Popovich. No, 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 no. Tom Thibodeau. No, yeah, yeah. Tom Thibodeau. 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 Yeah. Uh, who else? Pop Popovich. And uh, what's his name down in Miami? That's just basically Spolstra. it. Rick Carlisle. Spolstra. You got Stan Van Gundy. Oh, he's a great coach. You got Brad Stevens, the greatest coach of all time, to be swept yeah, but, in a first round. Stan Van Gundy has also coached for abysmally bad teams, and no one would say that Doc has. I mean, you could make the he argument has. that Doc, Doc Rivers is for bad teams. No, bad they teams. were the Celtics were horrible before yeah. they made those trades. Yeah, they right, but then he made the trade too, so he was like part of that. No, whole that was trade. Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge made that trade. Yeah, no, I'm also, saying Doc was part of the trade, though, is what I'm saying. He's also the only coach, I think, to ever sign his son, uh, or trade for his son in free agency, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and have yeah. to play right. Well, that was ridiculous. He's got it. The only coach that's ever done that. I, I think Doc is, is an okay coach. I mean, they definitely, like, the Clippers are playing thinner because they don't have Blake, and I know there's the whole argument that Blake Griffin uh, is uh, not as important to this team as was once considered. I think that's baloney. I mean, he's an important part of that team. Um, from the couple of games that I've seen Jeff Green play so far, and I'm just glancing at his stats, he's been pretty decent. In, oh, like, Jeff Green spurts. is the worst. <laughs> he's so bad. Jeff I mean, Green is like one of those guys. He's a very Jeff Green is the, the ultimate. Perception of him is so polarizing because I've seen he is the ultimate good numbers on a bad team player. Well, I've seen Nate's take, which is like, oh my gosh, it's like subtraction by addition. And guys like Barkley and lots of guys that are like paid NBA analysts that thought the best move at the trade deadline was Jeff Green. Was the Jeff Green one, and that's exactly it. And, I mean, looking at his stats, like he's had some okay games, some really, really, really bad games. Um, you know, I mean, that's just, again, like looking at basic stats. I'm not, I'm not diving too deep into it. But my point is basically that Doc is kind of doing with this team what he 
what he can, I guess. Um, Wesley Johnson had, you know, a couple decent looks, despite the fact that he his plus minus is really bad in this game. I saw a couple, you know, good looking shots from him. I don't know. To me, the Clippers. Jeff Green. Here's Jeff Green, 41st in real plus minus and defensive real plus minus one negative one point two nine. And he's the only guy around that area. Uh, that even pl- that plays that many minutes. He plays almost 29 minutes a game this year. The only guy close to that but is since Kobe. the trade. Since the trade, no, just total altogether this year. Right, but he was being really. I, mean, I don't want to say misused, but he was a lot worse when he was playing on on Memphis. But like a lot what, worse. But you know the guy that, that the Clippers really miss, ironically, is um, Matt Barnes. Because Matt Barnes is one yeah. of the few guys that could defend yeah. the perimeter. And the thing that, that I noticed in this game, just being there, was, granted, the, I mean, the Cavs, like, JR got unconscious in the second half shooting the ball. <laughs> yeah. But, like, LeBron Channing, too. Channing, but, but there were a lot of open threes for the Cavs tonight, and they hit them, but they didn't used to be that way. It didn't used to be, like, the Clippers used to be, I, I want to remember, like, I want to say a lot better on the perimeter defense. And now, I mean, they've got Chris Paul, but Chris Paul can only guard one guy. And J.J. Reddick's not great on defense, and Jeff Green's certainly not great on defense. And, you know, their their bench isn't, isn't doesn't really feature a lot of defensive guys. It's a lot of guys that can shoot the ball. Sorry, don't, when When the chips get down, they don't really... Uh, they don't really can't really defend on the perimeter, and I think that's going to kill them against teams that can shoot from the perimeter, like Golden State, like even OKC, like like those teams. They're gonna they're just gonna run roughshod over the Clippers in the West. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I, I think the Clippers and the yeah. Thunder are pretenders. Uh, so, eg, being at the game, what was it like watching you know that first quarter where it just felt like man, Mozgov is just He's just like in slow motion, and then they bring Channing Fry, and I'm not saying it was just bringing in Channing Fry, but right away he hits a three, and then I think he hits another three, and the Cavs just didn't look back at that point. Um, you know, what was well, that like being there, kind of watching the speed of the game, the difference between Mozgov and Fry? I mean, it's like it was night and day. I mean, it it. What's interesting is that. Because I think the reason why DeAndre was beasting in the beginning there was because when you've got Moscow in the game, you kind of have to you kind of have to play that that game where you're like trying to get the ball into him every once in a while, trying to get you know get Kevin Love in there, and you're not really spacing the floor as as well as you do with when you've got Fry in there, and that's why they I think they came out guns blazing against the the Lakers and were just you know they're like okay we're just gonna light them up. Because they've got the floor spaced, and the Lakers don't really play defense, anyways. But right. yeah, I think I think that's what really changed was it was it the floor spacing changed, and it allowed them to play at a at a you know a, a a speedier pace, you know, because LeBron could you know could drive better and wouldn't you know, and you they'd have to take DeAndre out so they could put somebody on Fry and you know not on the slow footed Mozgov who unfortunately takes a. You know, take for every step forward he seems to take this year, he takes a couple steps back. Yeah, you're not going to out slow pace the you know team with one of the basically the best center in the NBA right now, and that's I think that's exactly what it is. Like 
Mozgov is definitely not going to match up well against DeAndre Jordan, who is actually exceptionally good at what he does. And that just creates like a lot of clogged space down the middle because that's two huge guys that are fighting for space down there. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, having to chase uh, Fry around the floor definitely helps create space for the rest of the Cavaliers to shoot. I mean, they had 10 points with like three minutes to go in the first quarter, and they wound up scoring, what, 114? Yeah, yeah, they actually like, took. They actually led after one. I think they were. Yeah. Down, they were down. 17, and they were playing terrible. That they were, they down, were down seventeen to seven, and they they took. Yeah. They were up twenty-one to nineteen. I think going into the yeah. second quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were. And the and the defense really locked down. But also, yeah, you're right, Tom. That Clippers bench is. I mean, you've got Jamal Crawford, then Wesley Johnson, Austin Rivers, Pablo Prigioni, who's literally like thirty-nine years old. <laughs> and then Cole Aldrich, who you watched last year for the Knicks, Mallory. Yeah, um, yeah, that is that is a murderer's row of of crap. Um, it is that is a really, Doc, really, really bad. Thing. But Doc put them all on the floor together. Yeah, twice well, to start yeah. the second and fourth quarters. Yeah, and, and the Cavs. A, and it was a bloodbath in the second quarter. Yeah. I, I just that was the and game the Cavs right run there. ten deep. The Cavs can run ten deep now with. You know, they got Richard Jefferson right now is their 10th man. that And he's playing for a 10th man. He's playing very well. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, all, they got all season long. I felt like Mozgov's struggles were one of the main underappreciated storylines as to why the Cavs were kind of failing to meet expectations. And I sort of mm-hmm. thought for them to to maybe win the finals, he needs to get right. I don't I, I I'm just sort of giving up hope. And I'm thinking. Well, he's had some good games. Yeah, recently. he had a stretch like, there. I was about to say that. But it's more than that. It's, like not, it's, more, it's more of what EG was talking about. It's it's the way the other guys play when now you got Channing Fry at the five. I mean, they just. Kevin Love cannot play the five. I know people like to think that, but. No. Uh, he but, can't. But Channing Fry's a lot bigger than Kevin Love. Like, he's, ta- he's probably as tall, but he's a lot beefier. He's 6'11. Yeah, I mean yeah. Kevin Love's like six ten, but I mean definitely on. Kevin <laughs> Love not is, Kevin Love is the spokesperson for Banana Republic. I mean, come on, <laughs> that guy cannot be the five on your team. Um, yeah, I don't no. care how much. And his, NBA. didn't I, they have to make him? Didn't they have to actually make him a little shorter for for the Hoopers commercials too? Like, isn't he just lost <laughs> some bone density or something like that? Where he's like maybe only like six seven, six eight now. He does look frail-ish. But. He's definitely smaller than than six. What is he in, you know, like measured out in according to his stat sheet? It's definitely like 6'11 or 6'10. You know, he's that, way no, he's smaller. He's 6'9 than that. at best. He's the same yeah. as LeBron. You know, that's, yeah. uh, in that game um, against uh, Sacramento, the game where Love hit the four-point play at the end, in the first half, I saw some really good stuff from the Cavs on offense, and it all went through Kevin Love. He wasn't yeah. really finishing plays, but, no, but he's a fantastic facilitator. Yeah, and they were finding him a shred of daylight, you know, at the elbow or whatever you want to call the mid post area. But the key is they weren't just he wasn't just posting up, throwing his arm in the air, and they were tossing it to him, and then a and then a beefier guy could like push him back. They do that every once in a while, and he's not great at converting um, in isolation underneath the hoop. 
He's pretty good at drawing right. fouls, but he's not great at converting the field goals. Right. But what they were doing was they were they were putting him in pick and rolls with LeBron, and on at least two occasions, um, he he went up to set the pick. LeBron didn't move, and then LeBron actually took like almost like a jab step back, and Kevin Love darted towards the foul line, and it was almost like he was kind of like a fake, like he slipped the screen, and then LeBron would hit him. And he would catch it and turn in one motion, and it's like, well, do you want to give up a free throw to Kevin Love? Of course not. So then a help defender would kind of cheat up. The guy that was on him when he set the pick is now flailing to get back, and that daylight would just, oh, it was like it was like uh, you know blood in the water for the Cavs perimeter shooters. It was like two guys were at once opened on the perimeter. Love would hit either of them. And whether it was Delhi or JR, whoever, if that guy didn't feel comfortable in rhythm, the closeout was coming so over aggressive, he could just sidekick it to the other guy. And the Cavs got, you know, back to back wide open threes off. And one of them was a Delhi three that he stuck. And I just yeah. thought, man, if they just did this more often, like this is not that complicated, but I rarely see them try that where they, they put Kevin Love in a position to be a passer like that. And yeah. I, thought it, I thought it was great, and I hope they can figure out how to do that that more often. Yeah, and and let's talk a little bit about how awesome the Cavs shooting has was today. Because I mean, Kevin Love went 0 of four, uh, Iman Shumpert went 0 of two, Richard Jefferson went 0 of two, and they still made 18 threes. <laughs> Everybody else on the team went 18 of 27. <laughs> or uh, eighteen of uh, twenty nine. Sorry, I mean that's ridiculous. How good of shooting that? You know, LeBron three for four, J.R. Smith five of eight, Delhi two for two, Channing Fry five for seven, and then James Jones even hit a uh, a James freaking Jones triple. James freaking yeah. Jones, which I thought triple. oh the icing on the cake, of, man. Speaking of um, side changes, we didn't even announce at the beginning. Cavs the tweets, um, yeah. which are going to be manned by all of us, and we're going to have great in-game content. Uh, we hope to have some uh, sideline content at some home games. And uh, I thought one of my favorite tweets of the night was uh, "Death Taxes James Jones." You know, <laughs> did three things you can count on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's. That yeah, we, shooting. Well, we and we have a Facebook, so follow us on Facebook and you'll get updates. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just Facebook have... town, not the Facebook. Remember they dropped the the. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> book book face. Um, but uh, we, you know, years ago. Well, first of all, so the the Cavs the Twitter was Krolik's personal account for years, and obviously, you know, once he. Once we bought the site from him, um, that wasn't going to be our Twitter anymore, since it's mostly about pro wrestling anyway. Um, <laughs> but we uh, we wanted obviously at Cavs the blog, but someone someone created that handle like five six years ago, and they've tweeted exactly once I think in six yeah. years, and so I, I reached out to that person and asked if we could have it. It just they never got back. It didn't work out. I tried to reset the password today. <laughs> the yeah, person is probably hoping you, hoping you could guess it right. Yeah, 
But, uh, <laughs> so we thought Cavs the tweets would be fine, and so yeah, definitely follow that on Twitter. And yeah. uh, you, you've probably you're probably familiar with Elijah Kim, friend of the blog. He uh, he goes to like almost every home game at the Q, and um, so he was manning the Twitter handle for most of today's game, and he will be doing that. In the in the future, um, so we're hoping to create more of a social media presence. I think without without detracting from kind of our old school ways with the blog and the content, we're not trying to get all cute and clickbaity and we're we're not trying to get millennial. Let's just we're not trying. Let's just get we're not yeah right. We're just trying to give you more ways to get your. Cavs the blog content. Exactly. I'm I'm enjoying is like the passive sort of fourth listener here, just listening to you guys talk about this because, I mean, I'm 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 the only one that's that's I, I guess like of the age of of. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna make you all sound so much older. I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I'm still in my twenties, is what I'm really saying. So it's just funny to 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 hear you guys talk about it. Yeah, I mean, the old man, you know. No, I'm just giving. I'm giving you a you guys a hard time. No, it's, it's, it's a it's a real thing. I, I yeah. I mean, it's like get off my lawn. Tom and I regularly uh, weep for the future. So yeah, and, yeah. And not only not only on Twitter. It's like when I play video games now, and there's I'm playing against like 18 year old kids. I just want to be like, shut up. Like it's not cool to say get wrecked and spell it wrong. Like, trust me, I've been around video. Games. I've been around video games online. I think that was probably my years. son, actually. Right? Like, I remember he does that all the time. I remember the when we thing started. Yes, Y A S S S S S instead of Y E S. Right, right. And I remember, you know, in 2002 when we started saying, you know, get owned, and, and then it was get pwned because someone spelled it wrong on a forum somewhere, and it was like, yeah, you'd be playing Counter Strike, and then they made that whole web series called. Um, pure ownage with a P and this one dude named FPS Doug would just yell boom headshot. And that popularity of that comic was so strong that I'd be playing counter-strike and all these little 16 year old, you know, wieners would be yelling boom headshot. Every time they'd get lucky, he'd be like, shut up, like stop showing your age. So now wow, I'm playing, wow. now I'm playing rocket. This podcast League. has gone down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> now, You're now, welcome, guys. Now You're I'm playing, welcome. Now I'm playing wow. Rocket League, and kids are going savage <laughs> and get wrecked. I'm like, just shut up. You don't even know how to talk to girls because you want to know why they don't need to know how to talk to exactly. girls. They just, exactly. They just slide exactly. into they slide into their DMs. Exactly. They don't need slide to talk to girls. DM. Oh they my god! You don't need to pick up the phone and dial some girl's dad. <laughs> you don't have to put their, yourself out there like you did no, in my you don't. No. You stood outside you the girl's house. Behind, stereo you hide behind. Head. You hide behind Sephiroth 420, and you just say "get wrecked," and it's like, just stop, stop embarrassing yourself. <laughs> don't let your online psyche creep into your real being. So anyway. We don't want to. We don't want to become that. Obviously. <laughs> also, you, you're welcome, <laughs> listeners, for for causing that rabbit hole opening to even yeah. begin. So <laughs> just suck the entire podcast into it. Yeah. I'm really okay, sorry so, for the, the the much older timers that listen to our podcast. So thinking, moving on. Na- yeah. So moving on. Um, I want to talk, <laughs> talk a little bit about Kyrie Irving, and uh, yeah, he's well, been do we want to talk lot. about the Lakers game at all? No, because that was just an exhibition. It was fun. I was talking about this. That dunk, that alley-oop that LeBron threw down. Oh, the lefty. It was ridiculous. ridiculous. The lefty yeah. off the wrong leg. 
Yeah, and it was like kind of behind his back too. Yeah. It was really bizarre, but very cool dunk. The one that Jr. threw off the backboard, right? The one that yeah. Jr. Yeah. almost missed the hoop, and LeBron yeah. still <laughs> somehow. Yeah, that was. Uh... And Jr. was just laughing. He's like, "Man, like you know, like looking like I wanted to see how high I could get." I don't know. I think I even put that in the in the recap. Like you could just tell, and LeBron gave him a look like. Dude, yeah, like, that, that wasn't even close. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I feel like over the years, LeBron has been the recipient of some pretty poor passes. Like one of his greatest dunks of all time was that alley oop from Booby Gibson against the uh, Wizards. That was a terrible pass, and LeBron <laughs> just went up and he hung and he reached so far back and he caught it and it was like, could someone please just throw LeBron a good alley oop? And then here in this Delhi, game, Delhi throws good alley-oops to LeBron. And here in this game, well, LeBron threw that crazy alley-oop almost from half court to TT and put it right yeah. on the money. I remember, right thinking, the like, I remember yeah. thinking like – And then that was the one where J.J. Redick fouled him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, man, imagine if LeBron could pass to LeBron, what that would be like. But that's <laughs> – by the way, that's like one of my biggest like – the thing that bummed me out the most about Mo Williams kind of fizzling out this year was that Mo was actually one of the guys that always knew how to just how to get the ball to LeBron yeah. and the uh, especially point. on the break and yeah the, yeah and, and the Kraken yeah definitely yeah <laughs> so what do we what are we seeing from from Kyrie Irving because I have enjoyed watching some fights break out on Twitter and in our <laughs> threads between. Um, the, the the yin and the yang of Kyrie Irving supporters and detractors, and uh, it, it's it's wild. I mean, it's like trade him now, and I will I would rather dump LeBron. Than, I mean, it is so it, it's like Jeff Green polarization. It's like that level. <laughs> there is um, a very wide range of opinions on Kyrie Irving right now. And the thing is, Kyrie, like every single game, almost makes sure. That this 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 battle rages on because you know he'll 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 do something just insane that no one else in the league can do, and then on the next play you're like, wow, he just doesn't play any defense at all. And, and you know, but then yeah. he, he even today had one really great defensive possession where he double teamed someone. I can't remember what the occurrence was, but I was like, well, he's he's actually trying there for a second. He took a charge too. I mean, yeah, he, he kind of got run over. I don't know how much he took a I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Well, know you, you know what? That's better. Normally, he's trailing the play, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I'm going to say this. I feel like he is a better offensive player than almost anyone gives him credit for, and that includes fans and fanatics and people on our site that watch him. I still don't know if we really appreciate what it is he is able to do on offense, um, especially in he's shooting horribly from the three this year. By the way, he's shooting thirty two percent, and he's and that's yeah, up. but that's up, but not from, recently. It's way up recently, recently it's yeah. way up, and he's starting to dot those uh, slow walk threes from like three to six feet behind the line, which that was a staple of his game. He hit and one I was tonight. Like, yeah, he hit another one tonight. He, he hit, hit like one tonight three. from like ten feet behind the line. He it was like, ridiculous. He hit a couple of those in the Lakers game, and so. I feel like the Cavs really honestly need to just figure out how to hide Kyrie on defense and figure out how to maximize his unique set of skills on offense. And I sort well, of I feel like seen them doing that lately. I do too. Tell us about that, Nate. That is a perfect segue 
in our next topic. How do you feel about the job Ty Lue and the Cavs are doing at utilizing Kyrie? So one of the things that you're seeing, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. You saw earlier in the year when Ty, Ty Lue first came aboard, he was talking about running Kevin Love a lot with the second unit. And while that has happened somewhat, the real beneficiary of running with the second unit has been Kyrie Irving. Uh, because Ty Lue has sort of figured out that the Cavs are really good with LeBron on the floor, they're really good with Kyrie Irving on the floor, and they're really not very good when neither of them are on the floor. Um, and Delhi is a good enough point guard, but what happens is he's not good enough at getting his own offense, and the other players on that team aren't good enough at getting their own offense to kind of have the gravity to pull extra defenders toward them. Um, that Kyrie Irving and LeBron do. So Irving has gotten much better recently in the pick and roll. Uh, he's taking, you know, he's not snaking the roller as much. Did he read, uh, he's da- give- did he read David's article? I think he read David's article. <laughs> of course. I think, do. I think he read my article several years ago about uh, good and bad uh, Kyrie. Well, on the only defense. article we know he read was uh, Robert's interview with Brian Windhorst because he actually responded <laughs> to it. But anyway, I don't mean to derail you. Keep going, Nate. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we're seeing Kyrie play with the second unit a lot and, and run when LeBron's off the floor and Kyrie can kind of get turned loose. And, you know, he's attacking in transition a lot more. You're seeing him go one on two one-on-one, even one-on-three, I've seen it happen. And sometimes that works great. Um, The Memphis game, not so great. And and one of the things that you're seeing a little bit with Kyrie is the difference between his really good games and his really bad games is, is pretty stark. I mean, you look at that Washington game, he was minus 22. And the Uh, the Toronto game, he was not good. Yeah. Yeah. The Toronto game, um, he was minus two for the game. But then the second Washington game, he was plus 25. Uh, against the Lakers, he was plus 20. Uh, Memphis, uh, while they did not play well as a team, uh, he was positive in the plus minus so, and, and had a real solid 27 points. But the seven turnovers really killed the Cavs, and that was where he was like dribbling into three guys. Um, so when he plays under control, when he just takes like tempers that tendency to just kind of go all over the place with the dribble uh, and is a little more judicious with that, he's at his best, especially when he's not staking the roller and giving uh, guys good angles to the basket uh, on the pick and roll. And plus in isolation, he's as good of a player as there is in the league right now because he can shoot from anywhere. Uh, his mid-range shot is as effective as it's anyone phenomenal. in the league. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's as and effective ability, as anyone in the league. He can f- if he gets a step and there isn't, like, two help side defenders blocking the paint, he scores. I mean, he just – he'll take yeah. contact. You can try to contest. I've never seen a guy use his body at, at – I mean, I, I, I used to probably say it was, like, Chris Paul – and now you could look at Steph Curry. But I think of even among those elite players, I don't think anyone uses their body to shield um, the defender as well as Kyrie does on drives to the hoop. I mean, it's just, it was it's a, just remarkable. He's amazing at slow, contorting. 
Uh, there was there's a slow motion vine I put on the in the fourth quarter section of the of the Lakers recap when he he blew by uh, Huertas the Brazilian deli and and took on like the, like two guys past him and just it's, it, watching it in slow motion is really the only way it's almost like the when the first time I saw the Matrix you know and I was like. Oh wow! Like it's cool. They're slowing it down so you can see just how fast everything's happening. It's it's like that with Kyrie. You slow it down just to see how fast he actually changes direction, changes where the ball goes, where how he you know can move it to the other hand. I mean, he might just, be one of the best players I've ever seen at making defenders watch the ball. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So well, I, and the other I, thing is he is. A handful, probably one of the five best free throw shooters in the NBA, and might be one of the top three clutch free throw shooters in the NBA. I mean, in the fourth quarter and overtime, he is, I think he's over 95%, which is really phenomenal. Yeah. Ice ice, ice in his veins, man. Speaking of free throws, do you think the Cavs turned a corner mentally in that Sacramento game when LeBron actually allowed Delhi to shoot the technical free throw. In the he was letting Kyrie shoot one tonight too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm I not being so. coy. Like, that I was my favorite. That was one of my favorite texts in a long time because it followed LeBron basically forcing uh, Chris Paul to break his own ankles. And then, <laughs> and then have, uh, you know, and then have, after Mr. Hooper went down in a heap, Doc, got <laughs> Jumping up and down on the sidelines, like going crazy and town tonight. Heap, yeah, he was. He went. He he was flat on the floor. It was hilarious. Yeah, and then everybody was waiting for a bailout car call, and Kyrie just took off. Yep. Wow, they've had a lot of nice breakouts like that uh, in the last uh, couple games. It's been a good road trip for the Cavs. Getting away from home was good. So yeah, so back to the Kyrie thing. There was a sequence in. in the Sacramento game where he was spotted up in the left corner and he received the pass wide open. Well, pretty open. He shoots and he front rims it and he just stands there. Like he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't go after it. That's I mean, he, he probably could have chased it down and at least fought for the rebound. He just stood there. I think it was Darren Collison grabbed it. Is that right? It's Dar- Darren Collison on the Kings. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And he goes coast to coast. And the entire time Kyrie was like, on his heels, like he was chasing him the entire time, but he never, he never made an attempt to like get in front of him or you know wave his hand up like Deli or someone grab my guy, I'll, I'll grab your guy. He just chased him like they were like you know eight year olds in the schoolyard playing tag the whole way, like like ninety five feet way, all the way down till about you know the middle of the paint. Collison puts on the brakes, and Kyrie instead of like. Now, you know, doing the Top Gun move and flying right by and maybe getting a hand in there, he just stays behind him. And, and, and Callison eventually, like, I don't know if he made a pass to someone or if he shot it. I'm just thinking, like, he literally No, he looked that... like he was on offense trying to post him up. Yeah. Like, he had his elbow in him. <laughs> yeah. So, Worst defensive position I've seen. It was just horrible. And then on the, I think it was literally the next offensive possession. He spun one in while getting fouled. That's just just a ludicrous amount of English that it took 
to get that. To and go that's in that's that, that going back to his rookie year play where yeah, he's, he's like, I'm going to get it back on. And, I'm going to get it back on offense. And then the very next possession, only this time on the left side with the left hand, he did the same thing and got fouled again. And so in the span of like a minute and a half, real time, I believe, at least is the way I remember it. Maybe the rest of the game vanished from my memory, but the way I remember it, in like a minute and a half, we saw the worst things about Kyrie and the best things about Kyrie. And I'm just watching this on Twitter. I mean, I'm watching, you know, guys like like David Zavik that's like such a huge Kyrie and Tristan like defender just going on about I can't believe people think Kyrie is the problem. And at the same time in in my feed are people like, God, can we trade Kyrie already? And it's just like <laughs> It's like, man, he really is not going to let us off the hook with this. And no, um, but no. Uh, I, but I have seen he has he is playing better overall, and he's making those threes now, which is huge. It's going to open things up even more. And, he really hustled uh, in this game. I mean, I could tell. I mean, there were plays where he was diving on the floor for the, he was going after that that rebound in the first quarter. I mean, well, he, he, he definitely he, he corralled that one that on the one where Mr. Hooper heaped. And, yeah. uh, and he, he tossed it behind to LeBron, who threw down that dunk. Oh, that was right? great. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was awesome. a great one, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. So, um, all right, guys. So now I want to get into a new segment that we're going to do on Cavs the Podcast. It's called Potent, Potent Perceptions, not Potent Potables. I'll take Potent Perceptions for 500, Tom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so based on whether it's something we've been talking about in the blog or something someone in the national media has said, I've got some questions. They're just like quiz questions, and I want you guys to just give what you think the answer is. And if and if it's just a shoot from the hip guess, just guess. If you feel like you have a reason for having that, explain your perception. Like, well, here here's why I, I think this is the answer to that, and then I will actually give you the answer, okay? So we'll start off with question one, and this goes back to that whole thing about pace because obviously when Ty Lue came in, the whole thing was, well, we're going to push the pace. And if you recall, I don't know, a couple days, a couple games into the Ty Lue era, we all noticed that statistically the Cavs' pace was, in fact, slower. Uh, so more time, more time has gone by. So I would like to ask you, gentlemen, is the Cavs' pace faster uh, since Ty Lue took over than it was in the uh, David Blatt uh, era? Yes, Which game? No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding around. No, just the, just, just the average. What do you? Do we have to I buzz know. in, or do we just just? Yeah. Just yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. It's like Final Jeopardy. We all have to make a wager. EG, EG, what's your what's your take? Well, I'm gonna say I don't have any statistical information to back it up, other than one thing I read that. I think I saw I saw a stat on ESPN, but I, I never really believe those things because I I don't feel like they go very deep. But um, the thing that feels like I, I know there's a lot of lip service for it, and I know I definitely have felt like I've seen possessions where they've gotten the ball up and over the the timeline quicker. The problem is the two things that that Ty Lue, I think wants to do are diametrically opposed, which is one play with pace, but two get the ball to Kevin Love at the elbow because doing yeah. that doesn't help you with pace. It, it helps you, you know, try to break a defense down, but it's not, it, it's not that conducive to, all right, get it up, get it up there, get move it around, get the guy, you know, and get the guy next shot. Like you need to give him time to back his man down and, and, 
you know, do his turnaround hook shot or whatever that's going to be, or pass it back out to somebody and shoot it. But it's not going to be the okay. It's the you know, eleven seconds or less offense or anything like yeah. that. Like I just feel like those two things kind of cancel each other out. So, okay. so you think I it's about the feel, same? Yeah, I think the, I think the page is probably the same, but I feel like they're definitely elements that he's incorporated that have helped the pace but also elements that he's incorporated that have then counteracted what those things that he's trying to do so it kind of depends on what part of the game maybe yeah okay okay so your answer is about the same all right how about you nate um well one of the things is the Cavs play at two paces they play that late game fourth quarter possession pace and then they play that first, you know, three and a half quarters where we're trying to push pace, where we're trying to turn our defense into offense, trying to get into our offense quickly. And yeah, but they've been, sometimes, play, they've been playing the stanky leg offense since LeBron came back. So I'm asking you, yeah, before Ty Lue, after Ty Lue, overall, statistically, overall, do you I say think the pace is, has increased or decreased or stayed the same? I think it's actually going to be very close to the same. Okay, how about you, Mallory? The answer has to be close to the same. I mean, if you look particularly in the losses that were um, uh, ones that we we all sort of felt a little down on, to put it gently, um, there was a lot of stagnant offense still. So, I mean, you know, obviously we're just playing by the eye test, but um, but here's, and I guess this is really the, the sort of like conflicting question do the Cavs really necessarily want to play at a faster pace or do they just want to play with more like offense fluidity? Because those don't necessarily mean the same thing. Do they? No. And that's the biggest problem. I don't have a problem with the pace that they play at. I have a problem with the way that they run their offense. And those are very dramatically different problems. So, you know, I mean, I guess it's to say that like pace doesn't necessarily dictate anything to me. Okay. You know, I, I would rather see the offense run with Kevin Love down low, see movement off the ball, and those are things that don't necessarily correlate to peace. So, but I'm going to say the same. <laughs> wow. So what's the answer, Tom? The answer is they are playing slightly faster under Ty Lue. Um, it, it, it's close enough that I will accept about the same. Uh, but under under David Blatt, their pace, uh, this is uh, possessions uh, per game, I believe, was 95 point zero something and under Teron Lewis 96.4 so they're averaging about a possession and a half more per game it's noticeable it's not huge they went from being uh they were 20 ranked 28th in the league in pace um under David Blatt and they've been ranked 25th in pace under Teron Lewis <laughs> So, so not uh, dramatically different but they haven't gotten slower which is where we were a week into it okay Potent perception number two. And the impetus for this one was I was listening to Hey Windy uh, on Friday morning, and he talked about how the Cavs, basically what you guys were saying, that they're really trying to do two different things and that it might not actually be smart to be trying to push the pace. And he brought up the fact that the Cavs are turning the ball over a lot more. Um, So if we adjust – so taking that into consideration, what Windy said – is the Cavs' assist-to-turnover ratio uh, higher, lower, or the same under Teron Liu as versus David Blatt? And we'll go again. We'll start with you, E.G. 
a little quicker this time, guys. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that it sounds like a trick question. So I'm going to say it's probably less. <laughs> okay, so you think they have the assist-to-turnover ratio has gone down since top yeah. round. Of, okay, all right, that's good. Meaning they have more turnovers. Relative no, I mean they have, more they turnovers have fewer relative. turnovers. They have fewer turnovers under under Lou than they did with Blatt. Well, that's not the question I asked. Oh, okay. It's the opposite of the question. Yeah. No, it's not the opposite. I'm saying I, I don't really care about turnovers if your pace is higher. So I'm saying right. has their assist to turnover oh, ratio. I see oh, assist to turnover ratio. Has right. it improved or not under David Blatt? Oh, I'm sorry, under Teron Lou versus David Blatt. Yeah, I think it's I think it's improved. Okay. How about you, Mallory? Um God, this is a hard one. You know, I've noticed um well I was gonna start by looking at Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving's um, assist totals. No cheating. Because this is. A, I want your perception. I'm not. not I'm not saying it, but I'm saying to me, I, my person, my perception is that the two of them are assisting more while turning over at approximately the same rate, and they're probably the two players, other than LeBron James, whose numbers, I guess, are relatively consistent, that could impact this total in a dramatic way. Um, so I'm going to say they've improved. Okay. How about you, Nate? I think they're about the same. <laughs> okay. I uh, I think they might. are better. In... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm going to just – you're done. And I'm going to say <laughs> my, uh, my perception before listening to Wendy was that their turnovers were up and their assists were down. And then I heard Wendy say that whole thing about, hey, I've been watching these guys play and they're turning over way too much. Their turnovers are way up. So I was shocked to find out that the question you thought you were answering, e.g., uh, you are right. Their turnovers are down under Toronto mm. as a percentage of possessions. Wow. And, and their assists are up. So their assist-to-turnover ratio under David Blatt, and it wasn't bad under Blatt, was 1.56 assists per turnover. Under Tehran Lu, it's gone up to 1.82. So that's, wow. that's healthy. Um, and that's a that good sign. Healthy. Okay, so this one's like easy. It. This one's easy. Point differential. Is it uh, higher under Lou than it was under Blatt? E.g., I'm going to say their record. The... Their record. Their their winning percentage is worse. That's your clue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the winning percentage is worse. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's I guess a trick question. <laughs> no, I mean, look. I would say if you factored in the factored in the last couple of games it might be a lot closer yeah when is but, this through tom um i'm saying i'm breaking the season into two parts the david blatt era no i know but no, no, no. does it include the last three three or four games is what it I'm doesn't saying. include it, today it includes yesterday okay. oh no yeah it does, okay. include, it does include today it does include today yeah oh okay okay um i think it's close but i'm sure it's probably i'm sure it's probably a, a little bit a little bit better under blatt Okay. How about you, Mallory? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it has to be considerably better under Blatt. Um, there were so many games. I mean, I don't want to say considerably better, but there were so many games where they lost. In, in but then again, under Blatt, there were a lot of games that they lost badly too. <laughs> I got that. All right, you know, you're uh, sticking with your the, first answer. How about you, Nate? Yeah. I'm gonna go with better. It is better, and it is actually better Weird. than I thought it was better. 
Uh, the Cavs were 5.7, plus 5.7 under Blatt, and they're plus 7.0 under Teron Liu. So <laughs> even though their winning percentage is slightly less, they are winning by a higher margin, which is a better indicator of your your team's uh, success. Now, I haven't weighed that against strength of schedule, but uh, their point differential is higher, and I did not think that until I looked it up. Okay. Interesting. Well, now, oh, that doesn't out include the last e- three or four teams, and that doesn't include either of the Golden State teams. So. Right. Now, now, <laughs> For Lou, these questions are all kind of leading you to these last two questions. So we've talked about we had a potent perception about is the f- pace faster, and the answer was actually yeah, they are playing at a faster pace. There was is the assist to turnover ratio higher? Yes, it is. Um, is their point differential higher? Yes, it is. So here's my next question. Have the Cavs increased their points off turnovers under Teron Liu versus David Blatt? E.g.? Yes. Mallory? Uh, that is just such a hard question to answer. <laughs> I, I'm going to say it's approximately the same. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And Nate? Uh, definitely better. It is worse. They, despite, I knew it. <laughs> despite all those things, yeah, I know. I mean, I put this together. This is like the fortune cookie all over again. <laughs> so despite despite those other facts, which would lend themselves to they're, they're getting out more aggressively on defense, trying to create turnovers, and they're passing better, so they should be um, scoring more points off turnovers if, one, just they're scoring more in general, and, two, they have more possessions in general, and, three, they're trying to push the pace – but actually, they scored uh, 16.8 points per game off turnovers under David Blatt and only 15.8 under Teron Lu, so a whole point less per game. Huh. Now, last question. This is a little bit different, but since Teron Lu took over, which was, uh, what, January 22nd, I think, 23rd? Since that time, can you name the top five offenses in the NBA, or how many of the top five can you get right uh, I think since, they talked about this during the broadcast. Today, since that so. time, uh, and this is just based on offensive rating, so points mm. per possession. So uh, we'll start our points per 100 possession, however they do the ratio. But how about you, uh, EG? Oh, Top I'm, five I mean, offenses, not not it, not teams yeah. or point differential, just offenses. i got to believe no, Golden no State's che- No cheating. Golden State's got to be up there. Okay, yeah, Golden State. Am I naming all five, or are we just going just, around? Just name five you think. Okay. Uh, the Spurs. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Toronto. Okay. I'm going to say uh, Oklahoma City. Okay. And I, uh, one, one because more. I think it's a trick question, I'll say probably the Cavs. Okay. And I will tell you, you got three right. Uh, now, it's okay. your tur- now it's your turn, Mallory. Cavs. Golden State, Spurs. Um, God, I they talked about this on the broadcast or something similar, so I'm going to base it off of that. I'm going to say Boston and the Clippers. Okay, and you got two right. Hmm. Right, so Nate, Nate, you have the easiest one here. Nate, you got to get four for the win. Uh, well, we're going to go Cavs. Are you, are, you doing this in, are you doing this in order, by the way? You should do this in order, because if there's a tie, I need a tiebreaker. Oh, so um, well, order. Golden State. 
Okay. Golden State number one. Okay. Uh, Thunder number two. Uh, Cavs number three. Um, the let me just throw some crazy. Oh, Atlanta number four, and uh, who, do we, who else do we want to throw out there? Um. Oh, gosh, uh, let's just go something crazy and say Charlotte number five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now no. you're just throwing random things There's out. crazy ones, but not Charlotte, who's a defensive team. Um, <laughs> it's get ready for this, guys. Wait, how many get right? Uh, Nate got two right. Damn it. <laughs> so I won. So I win. So EG wins, and um, here's the actual And I didn't list. even watch the broadcast. I was at the game. Here, here's the actual. Well, okay. So knowing you got three right, eg, try. Can you try guessing again? Uh, I'd like to see if you could actually improve your number. Oh, come on, just give us the answer, Tom. <laughs> come, just tell us. All right, all right, all right. Number one, number is one. One of them Portland. Is one of them Portland? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, wow, so Portland. Uh, it's Golden State number one. Toronto number two. I got that right then. Cavs are number three. Portland is number four. And there is absolutely no way in hell you will guess number five. Like you will, if you guessed thirty times, you wouldn't guess because you guess you'd guess some team three times and not this team. You would never guess this team. Ooh, just tell us the the, t- the Timberwolves. Wow, they're like dead last in defense during that time, but they have the fifth most prolific offense. So the point of all this um, potent perceptions is that. <laughs> The Cavs' offense has been pretty darn good under Teron Liu. Um, their defense has slid a bit, uh, but maybe not to a point where they can't recover. I thought today they played pretty well defensively. And, um, I mean, you'll hear things like, well, the Cavs are turning the ball over more, but their just a turnover ratio is actually up, which is probably more meaningful in my opinion. So, um, you know, we've seen two different looks from the Cavs. We've seen the, the grind it out style they used in the finals, and now we're seeing a team that starts chanting Fry, of all people, so uh, I, you know, we'll see what makes the most sense come playoff time, but, you know, we're an hour and 12 minutes into this, it's gotten long in the tooth, we already talked about the new site, which was supposed to be our last topic, so is there anything else you guys wanted, any shout-outs or anything you wanted to bring up before we uh, we let the, the uh, listeners get, get on to their work week? Uh, I didn't get the chance to bring this up in the, and I probably should have when Nate talked about the shooting from today. But I just want to take just a minute to talk about how how, how amazingly fast Channing Fry gets the ball out of his hands. Like that, I could say that was one of the big takeaways I, I had from this game. Was that just, I mean, the guy doesn't hesitate at all. I mean, honestly, other than other than watching like Steph Curry, you know. And, and Steph's doesn't even Steph's usually making his own shot like he's not doing it out of a you know out of a catch and shoot I don't know that I've seen a big man especially catch and shoot a ball as quickly as as Channing Fry does just gets the ball out of his hand so fast and honestly I, I really would love it if like he would take Kevin Love like under his wing you know in in during practice or whatever and, and say here Kev here's how you gotta when you get the ball shoot it like don't don't like kind of double clutch and pump in fake and you know dish it off or 
throw it right back to LeBron or whatever. Like, have confidence and just find that release point because, my God, that guy is just – he just jacks it up. I mean, he – and, and he's, what's great is he's been making in the last couple of games too is that – I mean, he was like five of seven, I think, in both of the last two games. And, I mean, it's just amazing to watch. When they're going down, like, we got to a point where I think he missed two late in the game – and my son turned to me and he was like, I can't believe he missed those shoe shots. I mean, you, you know, and it was it was really shocking. Like, you wouldn't have thought that even a week ago, you know, when we when he was barely getting off the bench. You're like, oh, yeah, well, this guy's this guy's unbelievably, you know, just shooting the ball. So anyways, that was my my two minutes on Channing Fry and it's like like lightning fast release. I, I would say along with that, uh, J.R. Smith. While his release isn't as fast, his uh, ability to elevate still and to pull up off a quick dribble and and score like that, he had that one today from the right corner. That his ability to, to shoot an unblockable three point shot that has a very high percentage chance of going in is is really phenomenal. Uh, and his shooting, I think, is a big, big, big reason that the Cavs offense has been so, so potent lately. <laughs> and I, I well, he definitely, just... he definitely came out of his slump. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'll just, uh, I'll finish with, I really think Matthew Delvadova, uh, <laughs> if, if, you know, he needs to get really strong consideration for most improved player because, um, you know, we, we always knew that he was more valuable than his box score stats. I mean, at, at Got Buckets, we made him our Rookie of the Year because he had the highest swagger, which is actually an acronym, um, of any player that season, any, any rookie that season. And this season, he's just completely, like, removed almost all of his liabilities. Um, I, I, I made a comment the other day that he's like, if you took, went back to 2007 and you took everything good about Eric Snow and everything good about Booby Gibson and you just like made them one player, like that is who Delhi is now. He's he's become so automatic in catch and shoot situations, whether it's a three pointer or a two pointer, his effective field goal percentage on catch and shoots is number one in the entire NBA. It's insane. In the entire NBA. It's 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 absolutely insane. Um you know, I, I What's think, his assist to turnover ratio, Tom? Uh, well, let's look. <laughs> I, I mean, thought you was, had the page in front of you. Well, it, it was number one in the league at one point in like early December. I think he's fallen off a bit, but he's averaging, um, he's averaging four and a half assists per game, and giving it up one point six times. So it's um, wow. It's almost three to one. It, yeah, it's almost three to one. It's, it's That's very really close. Good. It's like two points. And his passing, his passing's been tremendous. I mean, they had a pass today where he like kind of, I think he like sort of dribbled into the corner, and then he found TT under the rim for for an easy one, and it was just, you know, it was just a, it was just Beautiful, a great yeah. pass. Yeah, great pass. I mean, he's he's um, you know, he's definitely not a Tony Allen kind of stopper on defense. He's really a better help defender, in my opinion than an ISO defender. We've definitely seen him exploited by Kyle Lowry, by some other guards. What is he, did pretty, he did pretty good against uh, Steph last 
year, though, in the oh, finals. Yeah. On One of the things I noticed is that he is a much better defender when he, uh, in a series, than he is in a regular season game. Like, totally he's agreed. He's really good at executing the game plan on defense yeah. and remembering the scouting report, but, you know, when he's on a regular season, I, he had a couple games stretch uh, a few games ago. Well, that kind of really lousy stretch. Didn't they lose two straight recently? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That two game stretch, he was yeah. terrible. Toronto, uh, letting guys go the wrong way. I mean, he was he was guarding the wrong hand on defense. And when he's in a series, he he just seems to correct that a little bit. So it bodes well for the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, so. I'm just blown away. I mean, I've always been a huge Delhi fan, but I never, I mean, I would argue with people, you know, early last year when Delhi was struggling and said, look, man, I'm telling you, he is going to be part of the playoff rotation. And people, people mocked me for that, um, that that was just ridiculous, that he'd be a garbage time only player. And I just thought, I'm looking, I'm looking at his wrap up. I'm just telling you, he is a valuable player and the Cavs know it, even if you don't, even if you don't know it. And now he's shooting, I don't know, was he shooting 46% on threes or something? Yeah, something ridiculous like that. You know, and he's even taking him off the dribble now and then. He's not terrible doing that. He's not, like, totally a one-trick pony on offense. And his passing has been awesome. Like, he's finding angles that he never used to be able to do. You can play him with any other guard. Because he can play the point, and he has the size to play the two, and he has the catch-and-shoot ability to play the two, you can play him in any lineup on the Cavs team. Whereas there there are players on that team that you can't play in any lineup. Like, you can't play Kevin Love at center, like you said. And you can't play um, Amon Shumpert uh, in a bad shooting lineup. You know, it's hard to play. But Delhi can play him with anyone. And that's, yeah. that's Delhi's the only guy that can guard a guard Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, he's the only guy that could guard a, a, a <laughs> big four or, or even a five. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's very stout on defense. Well, guys, that's a great way to wrap up a pod. Oh, hey, you didn't give me my last word. Oh, Tom. sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mallory. What, what, tell me something good. Well, so I want to talk about two things. First off, you know, looking over the last few games and just, just, you know, sort of like when watching them without really paying too close of an attention to statistics, it appears that LeBron James is at least more within rhythm in his shot than he had been earlier this year. Right. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I looked up, um, I didn't do anything too in depth. He's definitely shooting better from the field than he had been earlier this season, but his three pointer is still not back. And it's, to me, a little bit of cause for concern. You need LeBron, I mean, you know, today aside, to be able to hit that three-point shot to open up the offense a little bit more as well. Um, and and really, you know, Kevin Love, I, I I'll, will always continue to say that it could be the year of Love, and I, I thought this year would be, um, I've been a little disappointed with his play. Hasn't really shot that great from three. Uh, let me see really quickly what his three-point percentage is on the year. But to me, those are two guys that really need to put it together to close out the season and into the playoffs because they're both going to be – I mean, obviously, LeBron James, you know, as his offense goes, the Cavs will go. But Kevin Love shooting 41% from the field, 34.8% from three. 
needs to improve a lot. And if those two guys can put it together, I think you see this offense open up even more. Um, you rely less on the hot, cold J.R. Smith. And Kyrie Irving is not shooting particularly great from three, even with a really good run of recent. So uh, just to put it in perspective, three-point play, the Cavs shoot a lot of three-pointers. I think they said on today's broadcast they're like one of the top three teams or four teams in the NBA that shoot threes um, in terms of number of shots, number of three-point shots per game. So they need these guys to start hitting their shots. Um, let's hope it starts with the leader of the team, LeBron James. Well, they have been second in the NBA in effective field goal um, percentage since uh, since Ty Lue took over. <laughs> if, if LeBron could, and a lot of that is honestly because Jr. and Delhi have been yeah hitting have so been many threes, out. yeah. Uh, so, but if, if do you LeBron, do you really trust Jr. for a seven game series? <laughs> I yes, I don't know I if do. I do. <laughs> I don't know. But we're I, I, we're gonna say. find out. We're gonna find out because he's gonna play. I can say that. Yeah, but uh, he's been guys, a different player this year. He has been, and he definitely guys, has been. We're, we're so diff- we're just different... as a. Oh, sorry. A, a little uh, <laughs> a little primer on how bad of a slump Kevin Love is right now from three. He has made threes in only one of his last six games. Yikes. Um, he is, over the last eight games, three of 24 whew, uh, for a whopping 12.5%. Um, not not doing well. He's making up for that because he's getting to the line and shooting yep. very well yep. uh, yeah. in that time. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, he lost it, all confidence in that Sacramento game before that that big one that he hit. I mean, he remember he was yeah. like, I think he was like 0 for seven or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah that was a big shot. He's in a slump, guys. I think he'll get out of it. Yeah, but it. it's definitely noteworthy, especially because uh, I mean, there's still time, but you need his yeah. three point shot to come back. And maybe uh, Ben, the shot doctor, uh, if he listens <laughs> to this podcast and kind of break down Kevin Love's shot and and let us know what, what kind of where he's failing mechanically because I can't really point to any one thing. Maybe he's, he's hesitating. Shot a little bit. I think he's hesitating, hesitating or is he rushing? I think I, he's hesitating. In today's game, it looked like on any three that he took, he was rushing, and they were all either really over or really under shot. So I don't know. Nothing looked like it was going. Yeah, he doesn't in. have his rhythm. Okay, guys, he needs to start working with Channing Fry. I want to. End, <laughs> I want to end this podcast with your reaction to this vine. All right, you see the chat messages. Oh yeah, I want you. I want you to. Watch, I want you to watch this vine. All right, I'm watching it. Oh, is this the stupid uh, Aaron Craft vine? <laughs> <laughs> That's like Aaron Craft. That's like the Tampa Bay play where the guy jumps the center on the snap, like tries to anticipate the snap count at the end of the game. That's just ridiculous. He dives. Aircraft, baby. He dives from behind the free throw line, and he he almost falls out of bounds. He literally did a 15-foot floor burn to get this loose ball. <laughs> Cavs should have signed Aaron Kraft with their last roster. Could have been Delhi 2.0. Yeah. Uh, imagine no. if we could just talk about Aaron Kraft on these podcasts. That would, <laughs> wouldn't Man. be grand. That's the perfect way to go out of this. 
That is the I, perfect. Game. I am anti people with rosacea, so I just can't. I can't <laughs> I'm a rosacea. I think they call it chronic slap face. I'm a, oh rosa- my God. I'm a rosaceist. <laughs> Tom's going to have to be some serious editing on this. <laughs> Alright guys, uh, this podcast has gotten, as we say, long in, oh sorry, I thought we were saying all saying it together. Nate, it's gotten what? Uh, a little long in the tooth. A little long in the tooth. <laughs> so, everyone out there listening, we're really glad that uh, you're such loyal followers of our log, and we, we really want all your feedback possible right now. I mean, we're we're tinkering with this stuff. We're we're talking. We were talking before this podcast about the commenting system and how we could change it, themes, styles. Nothing set in stone. Um, we just want to make this a better experience for everyone. So give us all your feedback, good, bad, and ugly, and uh, and about these podcasts too. Um, you know, let us know if you liked uh, Nate's um, LeBron tweet or fortune cookie or the uh, the, yeah. the the. Uh, let us know if you want more. Aaron Craft vines, or whether you're yeah. a rosaceist or not. So. The potent perceptions, <laughs> and, and what other kinds of things you'd like to see. And as always, go Cavs! Go Cavs! Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers.